Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. And Merry Christmas to all. Happy Holidays. We're into that season. Boy, are we into it, honey. We are, as you are, I'm sure, wherever you are. It's a busy time of year, and it is gets a little bit crazy, but it is also a joyful time of year. The most joyful time of year. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what. Um, we went to a concert last night at the Cathedral of the Madeline. Oh, let me set you up for that. Let me set you up for that, honey. Okay. Um, I got it. <laughs> um, we had three options last night, and... They were pretty good options. We were able to, we had to decide between three things, and it was a tough choice. We got invited to the Tabernacle and on Temple Square to hear the choir do a Christmas concert. And then we got some friends that said, we've got extra tickets for the Nutcracker. Do you want to go to the Nutcracker? But we also had the option of going to the Cathedral of the Madeline and hearing this gorgeous Christmas concert in that cathedral. And we ended up going to that cathedral. Well, of course. Boy, was it a good choice. It is our daughter's <laughs> favorite thing to do for the whole year. And she gets tickets. It's one of those things where you have to sit by the by the computer. And the second nine o'clock happens, you call. And in 10 minutes, all the tickets are gone. <laughs> so she gets all the tickets. I mean, it's just both as two nights, Thursday and Friday. And she... Got a grundle of tickets, and she was so excited. Of course, that's what well, we had. you were there excited. There were no choices. You, you were excited. And you, I mean, tell, explain that experience a little. There's something I'm just going to say. When you hear children's voices, and this is a cathedral choir that practices all year long, and these kids who have these sweet, not beautiful, angelic voices, high-pitched, and when you hear that in a cathedral, with that kind of obligato sound going up and so on, it is pretty thrilling. Well, it wasn't just children. I mean, there were adults, too. The tenors, the basses were just fabulous. And the organ is filled the whole. It's just a small cathedral, but it just was unbelievable. What was it that really got to you? Well, my goodness, at one point, they moved behind the screen. And we're just not very familiar with how the Catholic service goes, but while we sing, we stand and sing too, and beautiful carols and verses to, you know, familiar carols that we have never heard before. And it really, it was so astonishing, but they moved behind a screen and then there was one on light. It was just like five senses. uh, I was looking for the program to just read that because it's such a, it's it's all right. I can remember it. I, the, the, the key wording was light, heavy, like gold. And there was just some, there were just some beautiful phrases and wording. Oh, my goodness. It made us look at Christmas in even another dimension. There's so many dimensions to view the condescension of God and the, the beauty of the, the birth. Well, just sitting there listening to that, I just felt like I was in the presence of God. It was amazing because of the harmonies. I mean, there were some six part harmonies there that just it it was 
absolutely incredible. I absolutely loved it. So what we want to do today is just kind of tie into that beautiful Christmas feeling that is coming to all of us and try to draw you away from the commercialism that kind of captures all of us to some degree and and just focus on this incredible beauty that comes from pondering the Savior of the world and his birth. And that has been there for so many centuries now. Um, because many of those pieces were done in 1460, and then the next one would be 1977. The composers did it then, and then back to the 1600s, and then on back to the 20th century. It was just really quite remarkable. The choir director was really astonishing. And we want to keep, as we always do, the the family focus and, and thinking of us as parents and grandparents and How do we maximize the Christmas experience for our children? I'm going to talk a little about those things. And then we're going to go a little further on what we introduced last week on the podcast, the the I lesson, this wonderful thought that when we look at people's eyes and when we look into their eyes and and their face around their eyes, we begin to see in a spiritual way, which is less judgmental than if we look at them physically and and have thoughts about various things that don't go right to the heart or to the spirit. And and we invite you to go back and listen to that last week if you missed it, because we're going to finish up on that this time. And then next week on the podcast, when we'll just be a day or two before Christmas, we want to turn to a second lesson. We're calling these the the three-letter lessons because there's so many things that can be captured in one three-letter word. And the one we'll finish up on today is the I lesson, E-Y-E. And then next week, we're going to turn to what we call the key lesson, K-E-Y, dealing with Christ and dealing with the fact that Jesus Christ played every key role in this world and in our in our salvation and in and in in the bigger things of life. If, if you think of it all as a play, Jesus or Jehovah or Christ played all the key roles in that drama. And we want to talk about that next week. But let's, um, let's transition, if we can, a little bit, Linda, by what happened last night. Um, to me, I mean, you said you were very moved by particularly one or two of the songs. And for some reason, what I got thinking about there in that beautiful environment, the low light and the candles and this this choir, and the first part of it, there were a couple of songs about the compassion of Christ. And, and I began to have a little epiphany and to feel a little doubt in my own mind because, and I said to you after, Linda, I think I'm I'm judging myself a little. Maybe if there's one time we should use judgment, it's when we turn it on ourselves. If we can do it without being so critical that we become discouraged by it, if we can self-examine who we are and how we're dealing with things, it's so helpful. And I, I got, I sat for a lot of that concert thinking that I have more passion than I have compassion. I get very passionate about things. I, I have no problem with enthusiasm and dedication and and being passionate about a cause or whatever. 
But that's not the same as compassion. And we were talking to our daughter afterwards who was saying, you know, the Latin C-O-M, compassion means with. And so compassion is feeling something with someone else or empathy or having your feelings combine with the feelings of someone who perhaps is less fortunate and so on. And I, I just really... I'm grateful I'm married to you, honey, because you, that's just a natural gift for you. And I was thinking through our children and how many of them have this natural gift of compassion. Sadie, the daughter we were with last night, tears up just thinking about someone in need. And so do you. Well, and And also goes forward with her feelings. She's been working with refugees and working with pathways you know, helping those people. And every day, her life is full of compassion. And I was tying that back into this lesson of the eye. I was thinking of, I was thinking of how I love to look at you, Linda, when you're, when, when you're feeling compassion, you're seeing someone that needs help, or or you're with a baby or someone who's, who's helpless and so on. And I see it in your eyes. I see that, that uh, sometimes tears in your eyes, but also that look of, total empathy and real involvement with another person's feelings. And I was seeing that in Sadie's eyes last night. And I was thinking of the eyes of each of our children. And I can, in my mind, see their eyes because we we know them so well. And you can see in those eyes, in each one, a little different kind of compassion, but but it's always there. And I I think of of our whole family. I'm the one that needs to work on that gift the most. So I'm going to do that. That may that may be my my word to focus on. Well, it truly, the eye is truly the window to the soul. And you know, it's not always compassion that you see. We have a couple of sons who are working so hard on a company to meet a quota um, by the first of the year, and they're totally passionate about doing that but you can kind of see the fear in their eyes (laughs) on that because they may not make this goal as a passion they really really want to do it and they're doing all that they can they feel like it's a great cause and uh, so you know it isn't always love that you feel when you feel compassion i mean or a passion about something it is Sometimes fear, sometimes worry, sometimes, but the eye really is the window to the soul. You can kind of tell yeah. what people are thinking by their eyes. You really can. And, and you know, we've been trying ever since our podcast last week, we've been just, and even before that, but we've just been so focused on trying to see people in a new way trying to, and and this ties in with compassion. Maybe this is, maybe I'm the kind of person who will develop. It's so natural for you, but maybe I'll develop it just by this exercise of trying to see people in a different way, trying to actually look into their eyes and really see what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And we heard a great story about that, about one of our neighbors last week uh, who was who was walking down the street with a with a friend and this friend they passed a homeless man and um this friend said oh david how are you and began to talk to him and this neighbor of ours realized that this friend of his really knew that man and you know pick up the story from there it turned out he knew all the homeless people in this area it's incredible 
we're downtown Salt Lake City a lot of the time. And um, this this guy was just he's he lives in our building and we we've loved him for a long time. He's just kind of um, a bit eccentric, but he is just such an interesting guy. And so they decided to just take him out of dinner. They, he lived on their floor. He was their neighbor. Yeah. So they were just walking on the way home and they found this homeless guy. And well, you know, they just instead passed of, him on the street. Yeah. And, you know, instead yeah. of averting their attention. Yeah. You know, to instead of other, not, not looking at their eyes. Right. Hoping they wouldn't ask you're looking away. Yeah. 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 He's David. How are you? How are you doing? And it was, they were so astonished. They said, how do you know this guy? He said, oh, I know all these homeless people. I talked to him. I stopped and talked to him. I know who him. they are. He said, this, this man was a veteran, and he, uh, he was actually a war hero. He received a medal at the White House once in his life before he fell on hard times. And he, he knew all these details about him. And they found that he had made friends with a lot of those who we often just walk past. Well, he, he's a single man and a businessman, but... And that we were just blown away by that thinking, oh my goodness. And then on the way over the other day, there was a homeless guy that walked by me and I, I wondered if I should say something. And I thought, well, maybe I should have somebody with me. <laughs> yeah, <maybe you> <laughs> I mean, you know, it takes a little bit of courage, but it is really interesting to think there's so much around us that we miss because we're not using our eyes like we should. We aren't looking into people's eyes. And this this eye lesson that we're really trying to learn ourselves as well as teach is it's your eyes and how you see but it's also the other person's eyes and really trying to see into them. And you don't have to, the best is when someone looks directly at you, that's when you really start feeling something. But even when they don't look at you, just looking at the area of their eyes and, and their, that the upper part of their face, you begin to see them spiritually to some degree. You know, I think the reason that you're thinking this a lot lately is because you have new eyes. Well, <laughs> it is it is ironic. I just had my cataracts operated on, and I see more clearly now in a physical sense. And I would like more. to think yeah. of that as a metaphor to to see more clearly in a in a spiritual sense to really notice people in in a new way. And and you know what you're talking about. So ever since we heard this experience by this this neighbor of ours. And how, what an interest he takes in people. Uh, as I pass someone who I don't know, we talked last week a little about using your eyes as a shutter and just blinking and taking a snapshot of what you see in that person's eyes. And it makes you more aware that you can see a lot. A lot of times when it is a homeless person or a person who's unfortunate in some ways, there's so many things you see. You see a lot of times confusion, you see fear, you see different things, but you also may see a spark of hope or a potential or a loss. Yeah. And it's just a powerful thing. Well, uh, we need to take a brief break, but we love talking with you about this. So hang on and we'll be back in just a second. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking today about not only Christmas, but about what we're calling the lesson of the eye, using our eyes in a little different way to try to gain empathy, to try to gain more compassion, 
to try to, here's another take on it, Linda, to try to see things as Christ would see them. I mean, you know, we, we all, we, we all have, we see these signs. What would Jesus do? WWJD. What would Jesus do? Another way to think about that. And it's especially interesting at Christmas time is what would Jesus see? Boy, that's an interesting question. You look at a person and ask yourself, what would Jesus see if you were looking yeah, at this good. person? And there's never going to be judgment. There's never going to be comparison. There's never going to be criticism. There's never going to be envy. What would Jesus see? He would see the real person and the needs that person had and the goodness that was in that person, the seeds of greatness that are in that person. It's like C.S. Lewis's beautiful quote, which I'm just paraphrasing, but we meet no ordinary people. The, everyone, is, everyone is divine. Everyone's a son of God. Everyone has glory in them somewhere. And Can we see it? Can we find it? Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. It is just, it's so interesting to just flip that a little bit in your mind. Um, and not just not just homeless people or you know other people, just but everyone. Our, our not just our own family, but or even strangers. our neighbors. Just yeah, just yeah. looking at people's eyes and and engaging them. People you've known for a long time yeah. too, who you've never looked at in quite that same way. What would Jesus see? Um, here's a quick story. The, the, these same friends of ours were. We're, we're telling a story that we thought was fascinating. This woman, uh, they, they were in San Francisco, and uh, she needed some cash. Was it for a Christmas gift? She no, was she was living in San Francisco, but her sister wanted to go to Atlanta. Oh, that's right. They, they Broadway, needed, yeah. you know, a stage play. But for so, oh, she was picking and up the tickets. So she was picking up the tickets, she, but you can get it. Uh, the tickets a lot cheaper if you go to the window and get it, oh, and, right, but you right, have right. to have cash. To yeah, get for it. some reason. So she went to get cash out of this ATM, and <laughs> and so she gets these hundred dollar bills. It was a whole family. But she realizes she's in the Tenderloin district of San Francisco, which, which is, is a rough neighborhood. The worst neighborhood. <laughs> so she's got all this cash, and so <laughs> she was thought I better put it in an inside pocket. So she opens her overcoat, she had this long coat slips winter. it in this pocket. And then she happens to notice there's a hundred dollar bill on the ground. Like she's like, wow, that's that's a coincidence. <laughs> and then she saw another one, and then she saw another, and she realized and the wind, what? the wind was blowing. <laughs> the wind was just coming everywhere. And all of a sudden she realized she was just surrounded by these hundred dollar bills, but she was also surrounded by a lot of people of on people. the street. Yeah, yeah. And, and these some were street of them, people. Right. And and she realizes that what she thought was her inner pocket was just an opening to the lining. And she's, the bills are going right down through and on the street and blowing in the wind. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I've lost all my money. And she's a oh, little she's fearful a panic. because people are running around, you know, and, and she's kind of. In and she a, just a thought, this is the spot. end. I, I'm losing. I've lost all this money. I can't believe it. they're going to grab it and run. And she said the most astonishing thing happened. One guy yelled out, let's help this lady. And, and there were people picking up these bills and bringing them to her and handing them back to her in this very, very poor, very rough neighborhood. And after, to make a long story short, after she got them in her hand and went into the ticket office, she had not lost a single bill. 
Yeah. They had was, all been handed back. Absolutely to her. astonishing. And she said it was such an, a juxtaposition to what had just happened to yeah, her. She yeah. was, she's an attorney. She had served on a jury about a police issue. And she, by the end she of the very, trial, she realized that she, she was dealing with some really dishonest police people who would not, he would, they would not open their mouths and say, this is what happened. Well, but the big thing is that she, she saw with different eyes. That's that's why I bring it in with this eye lesson. These homeless, the people, I don't know if they're homeless, but they were a rough crowd that was around her on that street in the Tenderloin district of San Francisco. And, and instead of looking at them with fear or with judgment of any kind, she now saw this with her, her eyes, saw a whole new thing. People who well, cared enough to f- grab those bills and return them to her, the honesty and the integrity of that. Well, the point was that she had just come from this other situation where she decided yeah, yeah. people were dishonest. Yeah. They were not good people. So and then to go directly into this other thing, she said it was just an amazing eye-opening. Experience. So to see with new eyes, and I, I couldn't resist telling her a, a, kind of a remarkably similar story of something that happened to me. And you were there with me, honey, but on this occasion, I was by myself because we were we found ourselves in India Right after the tsunami, where we were down by Chennai on the 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 south, the southern coast of coast India. of India, and uh, just I think it was just eight or seven or eight days before the tsunami had hit. Maybe even no, less. no, no, after. Yeah, you, we were there right after the tsunami. It was two but weeks it, after the oh, tsunami. Was it just two? Okay, yeah. so what had happened is the tsunami had just obliterated these seaside villages, little villages where the, the houses were crushed, they were pushed over. And when we were driving from the airport, we went past there and our guide said, don't go down there. That's very dangerous. All these people have lost everything. And they're just, they're sort of marauding around trying to find food. Well, they, were and just, so on. they were just sitting under tarps and trying yeah. to make some food and little fires. But and here's so the, to make a long story short, I got, a, I woke up early the next morning, there's jet lag. And I, I couldn't help myself. I got up. I went to, I found an ATM and that dispensed Indian money and I got some cash and I walked down. It was, we were close enough. I could walk to that beach. And my plan was to just very subtly, there were women in the sea washing their clothes and trying to, you know, take care of what little they had left after their homes were crushed. And I was trying to just very quietly and subtly hand some money to each of these ladies. I knew women would use it to feed their children and so on. And I I did that for a while. And then I got a little casual and I didn't hide it as well as I should. And people saw that here was an American, here's a white guy with money. And I got surrounded. I mean, I was, I, I don't know if I was startled or if I was really scared, but people were pressing in on me. Thousands, I'd say thousands, I don't know, hundreds of people. And I and I had this money and I was holding it above my head and didn't know what to do. And I finally just, I don't know, I threw it and the wind carried it and people, and that's what reminded me, people were running around scrambling for this money. And then I realized that while my hands were up and while people were pressed around, someone had taken my wallet. And I thought, oh boy, now I got to go back to the hotel. I've got to cancel all the credit cards. I mean, this is going to ruin our whole trip. 
But it's my own stupid mistake. They told me not to come down here. So I tried to make my way back to this taxi that I'd taken to get there who was waiting for me. And and now with the money gone, that, that dispersed, and I was able to walk back toward the taxi. And just as I was getting in, I hear someone yelling, hey, hey. And I look over, and I, a young man, probably the age of our missionaries, maybe 19 or 20, pushing his way through the crowd, getting to me and coming up and looking at me. And again, speaking of eyes, I still remember his eyes. His eyes were, he was apologizing. And he handed me, he had my wallet and he handed it to me. He hadn't taken it. He said, so sorry, we not like this. This is not our people in sort of broken in accented English. A young boy took it. He's, he didn't mean it. He's hungry. And he hands it back to me. And I open it and, and my credit cards are all still there. There was a, some cash that was still there, not anything missing. I took the cash that was there and gave it to this beautiful young man and said, use this to help in any way you can. I wish and I wish I'd had more. I wish I had given him all the money that I'd had earlier that day. But the same experience, realizing that and in this case, I wasn't being judgmental, but my eyes were looking at these people with pity rather than compassion, maybe, because compassion would respect them more. Right. And I realized how noble people who've lost everything, handing me back the wallet and the credit cards and the cash, the integrity of that, you know, and I saw I saw that I saw people in a different way. It is so true. And sometimes it takes time to get to know people so that you really know their souls. You know, right. we, we did a center city mission at one time, um, which meant that we just, we came down and we were, we went to a different ward um, and downtown where a lot of people were needy and it was a, a calling. So that was our ward. And we met such an amazing variety of people there, but we were assigned to two different families and um, we learned so much more and got so much more benefit out of that than anybody that we helped. But one family was impossible to help. They just, yeah. they were just too far gone. We did everything we could possibly think of to everything help Everything backfired. And they just could not change their mind about their lifestyle and who they were. And then another family who she was um, Navajo and he had been in um, had lived in the Navajo and spoke Navajo, which was really an odd thing, but they had these three little boys and we learned to love that family so much. Yeah. Um, they were astonishing because they were working so hard to dig themselves out of a hole. We're going to go see them this Christmas. Again, we, well, we? we see them every year. They live farther away now, but we see them every year, but are in touch with them a bit online and, uh, and Instagram and so on. And, it, they are just a remarkable family because they figured out how to change their direction. They really did. So let's summarize a little, Linda, this lesson, the I lesson, E-Y-E, again, how do you see people and do are you able to look into their eyes and see through their eyes who they really are and feel that empathy and compassion that can come if we if we train ourselves? And what we're really saying, I think, honey, is, Teach your children 
Now, and this is, you know, you hear a lot of parents saying, look in people's eyes. When you meet someone, look them in the eye. And it's almost a politeness thing. It's like, we want you to make a yeah, good impression. Yeah, we've taught our children that. So the look them in the eye little, yeah. when you meet them. And, and that's a great thing. But that's very, that's a surface thing. That's a, that's a politeness thing or how you present yourself kind of thing. And what we're saying and, and what we mean by this I, this three-letter lesson of I is to teach your children that that's the way to see someone. That's the way to really see them is to look them in the eye and to try to see what they see. What do they see in that person? Yeah. And Even as I think of these two families that we've helped, as I think back yeah, about their eyes, yeah, yeah. it was just so evident, but I didn't think about it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. The one the, that's exactly right. So as we approach Christmas, May we do that. May we think about this question, what would Jesus see? May we see like Jesus, because if we can move a little closer to seeing the way he sees or the way he saw while he was on the earth, then we will begin to do, then the other, the older question, what would Jesus do, will become evident to us. But I think the what would Jesus see is the is the real question yeah. to ask and what better time to try to do that than at christmas time and even the baby jesus what what would it have been like to look into those eyes oh, wow <laughs> wow that's amazing to contemplate so we hope that we've um sparked your interest in the season if you're bedraggled <laughs> At the end, and it is getting hard. And then, gosh, how do we get ourselves into these messes? Because there's so much, too much to do. I really, I think it's it's really good advice for all of us, including us, to turn it around and say, "I'm just going to look in people's eyes." And maybe the busiest time when you're the most hassled, when you're trying to get through the line at the store or whatever, maybe that's the best time to just slow down for a minute and. Start looking in people's eyes. Yeah. And see even what, the checkout lady. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. really interesting. So that's our challenge for this week. We hope you're having a great season and it's getting better because you're going to start looking at people's uh, And we'll eyes. see you next time, just a couple of days before Christmas on the next episode of Ayers on the Road. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.